Susan Casey, who is talking about her treatment. I think it's worth noting that a lot of the people going to John of God, you know, there's a lot of like cancer, a lot of chronic illnesses, you know, chronic fatigue syndrome, a lot of people dealing with sort of like diagnosed medical conditions. But there's also a lot of people coming there for sort of more inchoate conditions of just like, I'm sad, or I don't have as much energy as I used to, or I'm dealing with trauma. And so this description, I think, encapsulates kind of why people are seeing John of God and what they're getting out of it. So mm. which one of you wants to read this? Who wants to be Susan? I will. This feels like Sunday school being asked <laughs> to read. Of course I will. Yeah. <laughs> Susan was also searching for her own healing. After her father suddenly passed away two years ago, Susan experienced a, quote, tsunami of grief, unquote. She wondered if John of God could help heal her grief. Susan met with him. He looked at a picture of Susan and her father. He then told Susan to sit in the, quote, healing room, a room in the casa reserved for meditation and prayer for three hours. Susan says she was surrounded by hundreds of people in the healing room, all of whom were praying and meditating with their eyes closed. Quote, three hours went by like 20 minutes, and it was blissful. It was like I was floating, unquote. In her own state of meditation, Susan says she was able to speak with her father. Quote, it was very real, more of a vision than I had ever had before. I got this feeling like I shouldn't be sad, that everything was okay. Hmm. What do you guys think? It feels very reminiscent to me of the ways that people from the U.S. will talk about traveling to Central America and doing ayahuasca. You know, they've really got something figured out down there. It's also how I describe going to the Eurovision Song Contest. In <laughs> <laughs> Three hours went by like 20 minutes. Otherworldly. <laughs> I was floating. It was amazing. I, I'm trying to figure out what did he do other than tell her to go sit in the room. Right. So, yeah, it's this exotic experience that she could actually sit and pray and mm -hmm. meditate at her house probably for three hours, yeah. but it might feel like three hours, particularly if you're not used to praying or meditating. I think that there's something very interesting, especially with the kinds of patients that are seeing him for something sort of not diagnosable or not all that specific or measurable, right? Something like grief or trauma. He oftentimes tells people that like, you know, you must stay here for five weeks. Mm. He often tells people to abstain from, you know, eating pork and drinking alcohol and staying up late for 40 days. There, there's this whole industry that's grown up around him in this small remote city. And a lot of people will go there for a couple weeks and, you know, they'll see him two or three times, but the rest of the time, they're sort of hanging out with other travelers. There's, like, hiking trails and, like, activities around this town. And a lot of what they're doing is just, like, meditating and chilling out. And so mm. part of me feels like, well, yeah, you feel better. Yeah, I mean, all of what you just said could also be used to describe a vacation. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I feel better after yes. a vacation. People feel better after vacation. <laughs> and what we call self-care now. Dude, yeah. Do you know how I felt after I went to Eurovision? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Amazing. There's actually an interesting break here because some of what he's doing is just like this kind of stuff of just like woo woo, like go think about your life for three weeks and go on a hike. Mm. But he's also doing actual surgical procedures. What? I am not going to show you the fucking footage because it is absolutely disgusting and I cannot watch wow. it. Sorry, footage exists and you watched it? I mean, I watched it through my fingers. Like I wasn't like watching it, watching it. I feel so troubled and heartbroken for you at having watched this, knowing what that does to you. 
in the way that you uh, seem to feel for me when I read the entire goddamn book about celery juice. Aubrey, I hated it. I know <laughs> how much you hated that with like, every fiber of your being. My boyfriend often like listens to podcasts when he's doing dishes or whatever in the kitchen, so he like can't really hear me. But then at one point I heard him cry from the kitchen. He's like, are you moaning? Like, I can hear moaning <laughs> through, my, through my podcast. And I was like, I was on the couch watching these clips and I was like, ooh. So in this line of people outside, he sort of does like a little assessment of like what they need. And then for a lot of people, and this is like what the really grisly footage is, he does this thing where he sticks a pair of forceps up their nose. Oh. Did this come up for you in the medical carnival thing research, Aubrey? The snake oil stuff? Yeah. I don't remember anything in particular about forceps up noses. Don't. (laughs) You would remember. I feel like that would have made the cut. This is an old carnival trick. Oh, Jesus. There's a cavity up your nose that sort of goes to the back of your throat. It's about four and a half inches long. And like you can put something in there and it looks it looks impossible. Right. You're like, there's no fucking way like an entire, you know, pencil or whatever is going to go all the way up your nose. But there is just like human anatomy. There is this cavity that goes back there and it feels very weird when it happens to you, but it doesn't hurt particularly. But so it looks kind of magical. So if you've seen at sort of carnival shows or street performers, oftentimes it's a nail. They'll sort of nail like a long nail up their nose. Have you guys seen that? I have, unfortunately. I've also seen it in the form of COVID tests. Exactly. That's what I was thinking, too. How's it all getting up there? Yes. So apparently this was invented by Indian medical showmen, and the first documented instance in the United States was in 1926. 